Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Hello and welcome to RA Edge. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we are extremely excited for today's episode of the RIA Edge podcast with Doug Regan, the founding partner and co-chairman of Crescent. Doug, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Mark, I'm really glad to be here. I enjoy what you all are doing at Informa and I, I listen and I get educated by it. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be in such good company. Uh, and thank you for saying that. And we're really looking forward to learning a little bit more about Crescent here today uh, and learning a lot more about some of the fantastic growth that you've all enjoyed over the last several years. Uh, admittedly, uh, I've known a bit about Crescent from a distance, but haven't had the opportunity to talk with you and get an up close and personal view at really what's been driving success for Crescent. So here on the RA Edge podcast, we talk about all different types of growth. We talk about growth through M&A, we talk about you know, organic growth, and I know that you've enjoyed growth as a result of both. So I'm very much looking forward to a dynamic discussion here today. But before we get into some of the specifics around your growth, your success, and your growth strategy, Doug, I think it'd be really helpful if you could just start by giving us a brief background on the history and formation of Crescent and some of the areas that you're, you're focused on over there. I'd be happy to. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, Mark. So thanks for the open invitation to do that. Crescent is coming up on its fifth anniversary, and it is impossible to understand the special dynamics of Crescent without understanding the founding impetus of the firm. And that really comes from my two co-founders, Abby Stein and Eric Becker. They both come to the wealth management industry through divergent paths through primarily the private equity world. So they had a germ of an idea roughly six years ago, and that was to do what other people had started to do, which was to roll up RIAs and create a conglomeration and then ultimately exit. That's what private equity people do, right? So we started having conversations about five and a half, six years ago, and the idea started to germinate that we could create a wealth management firm that's dedicated to all the wonderful things that wealth management firms and RAs do, which is provide unique opportunities for clients to work with the RIA, the RIA to serve as an independent counselor, all the, all the reasons people get into the RIA industry and provide our clients with access to institutional quality, self-sourced, self-fedded, and monitored private equity investments, real estate investments, and opportunities for investments into private equity secondaries funds. So when you think about Crescent, it's really important to think of the two sides of the house, the private investment opportunity that comes organically through our partners and what we call Crescent Partners, and then traditional wealth management space, the RIA, Crescent Asset Management. Perfect. Thank you. It's definitely, it sets the table for the remainder of our discussion, we can talk about the different types of growth that you've had in you know, both of those businesses. 
And I, and I do think it would be important to start, you know, maybe just by looking at the M&A side of things um, first, before we get into some of the growth that you've had organically and some of the success you've had on the marketing side. You know, on the RI Edge podcast, we've talked to a lot of the largest and a lot of the most active acquirers over the last several years in the wealth management space. Um, you know, I'm familiar with Crescent because I've seen some of the announcement of the deals that you've done over the last several years. But it, while you're a large firm, while you've grown, you seem to be very, very selective when it comes to mergers and acquisition activity. So with that, can you maybe just talk about the role that Crescent plays in the RIA, M&A ecosystem, if you will, uh, and more specifically, what problem you solve for a potential seller? Absolutely. So when, when Crescent formed roughly five years ago, we thought we would have three opportunities or three channels for growth. The first channel would be to find high quality advisors who, once they got onto this platform, would ply their trades, ply their expertise, and create an organic book of business over time. And that's proven to be incredibly successful. So as a firm right now, Mark, we're, we're at $23 billion in, in assets under management. And our first advisors came over primarily from private banks. And five years ago, that was not as popular as it is today for two reasons. One is private bankers weren't as willing to make the switch from a traditional big bank into an independent channel, number one. And number two, there just weren't as many opportunities. And the RAAs didn't have the patience to grow a book of business with these private bankers. So we came in with the premise that if we get really good athletes, put them onto this platform with the differentiated investment offering, we will see growth. And that's that's happened. The second is through the acquisition of teams, teams being defined as two, three, four, up to five people who have collected together and are either at an RIA, at a brokerage house, or uh, at, uh, at a big bank and bring them in as teams. And we've been very successful at that as well. The third was thoughtful combinations with other RIAs. And I'm careful to use those words, thoughtful combinations. This is not a Pac-Man strategy. This is not a grow at any cost strategy through acquisition. This is finding culturally compatible firms that are interested in understanding how Crescent presents itself to our, our prospect, a, prospect base and our clients. And they bring something to the party for us. So it, it has to be a win-win situation when we combine with other RAs. And, and we've been fortunate over the years to find five that we have done. So when you, you look at the inorganic growth at Crescent, we've done roughly one combination every year we've been in business. And that's a cadence we're comfortable with. Excellent. And when you look at the RIA side, the acquisitions <laughs> that you've done and the five that you've done over the last several years, um, I am curious to maybe just go a little bit deeper on some of the things that you're looking for when you know, people use the term acquisition target all the time. I prefer to just sort of look at it as you know, partner, right? Um, what is the ideal partner for Crescent? And that doesn't have to be in, si in terms of size, right? But maybe their focus, their culture. Um, some of the things that you don't necessarily see when you're just getting a SIM, right? From an investment right. bank. Um, so what are the, some of those things that you're looking for? And what's the profile of an ideal opportunity for you? Well, getting back to your question, what problem are we solving for? I'm not sure we're solving for any problems because 
we're not interested in acquiring problems. What, what we, when we have conversations with other RAA opportunities, we're really talking about what opportunities are out there. How, how can we make the sum of our parts better than, than what they are independently? So what we'll look at is opportunities. And on one of your recent podcasts, Matt Cooper had a great line, no jerks, no jerks, no jerks. And it's really important to when we find people that we are interested in doing business with, that they are culturally aligned with us. And frankly, we with them, because they're bringing their unique ethos to what we're doing here at Crescent. So they bring legacy, they bring traditions, they bring a culture, and we have to make sure that we're compatible. So I will tell you that when when we are looking at a a potential combination with another uh, with another RAA, first is that there is cultural compatibility. These are people we like. These are people we respect, and these are people we feel we can learn from, and then we can bring something to them as they evolve their firm uh, within Cresset as as we join together. So so first is compatibility. We don't have strenuous growth targets, and growth means different things to different people. It, the shorthand in our, our industry is AUM, but it could be revenue, it could be share of wallet, it could be geographic uh, representation. So there are lots of ways to look at growth, but, but we don't have strong channels that, that we're focused on relative to growth. Our premise is you find good people, you give them a, a differentiated opportunity to go to market and they will be successful. So that being said, uh, what you what you'll find is the combinations that we've had in the past that we've had several that have been in the roughly half a billion dollar range and then we've had two that have crested over two billion in each. So um, we find that we play pretty well in that space and we resonate well in that area. And, I, and I'm curious you know, when I think of Crested, you know, and I think of some of the the deals that you've been involved in, you know, I can go back to you know, September of last year when you announced the merger with Berman Capital Advisors, you know, a large firm. Um, you know, very often on the wealth management team here, we'll cover when one firm like Crescent acquires another well-known firm like Berman, um, but we don't come back to it you know, six months later or a year later to say, how is it going? Um, so not necessarily looking for a specific commentary on that deal, but I am curious when you look at the five acquisitions that you have done, where and how have you actually been able to create new growth and synergy value with some of your partners? Well, one is just by having great new partners. We learn a lot from each time we've combined with somebody. And this is something I think could probably merit some further discussion, Mark, is we've had people come into the firm and take on roles that have a national scope. So when when you're talking about Crescent, you're now talking about a firm that has 12 locations geographically in every time zone in the country. So you immediately through a combination have an opportunity for people inside that RAA to have a differentiated career experience trajectory. So, so that's that's really important. But but when you look at for Berman uh, and ex- as an, a great example, Justin Berman, an eminently respected uh, advisor and comes with an illustrious career. He and his colleagues built a remarkable firm in Atlanta. We liked Atlanta because we had a team that came to us from a big bank and started a very productive business for us uh, about a year and a half before the acquisition. And we so we already had a, a base there. We liked the market. We loved the people we were doing business with. And then when the opportunity for Berman came, 
A, it was great people. B, it's in a wonderful market. And C, they brought a differentiated outlook toward private investments in, in, a, in a broader offering. So for example, Crescent has uh, self-sourced private investment opportunities. Berman has an extensive platform on pub- publicly available private investment opportunities and, and unique managers that, that we did not have access to. So what we liked about Berman in particular, given all the other things I mentioned, is they had a great offering on the private side, which augmented what our clients are getting through the Crescent experience. And it's funny, you mentioned Atlanta. We were just there last week hosting an RIA Edge workshop, valuation and MA workshop. Um, and I won't get into the weeds, right? But we did have an investment banker who did a presentation, showed a heat map of where there is the most interest in the country right now. And that Southeast region is definitely one that is at the top of the list for many, many buyers. So I can certainly understand and appreciate why you wanted to continue to expand there. Uh, just to pick up on one point that you made, though, around talent. Um, I'd love to spend a minute and understand what role talent acquisition plays in your broader mergers and acquisition strategy. You know, often we think of M&A as a growth strategy, but it seems like the competition for talent right now is as tight as it's ever been. I'm so curious. I mean, what role does talent acquisition play in your broader M&A approach? It's huge. Uh, again, it, it all gets down to people. And in the belief that if you get the right people doing the right things on the right platform, you will be successful and you will grow in multi-channels. And, and that's proved to be accurate uh, in the five combinations we've had. But the, the cool thing about talent, Mark, is sometimes you get talent coming into the firm that you didn't realize you needed. Uh, and it's not until they come in with a different perspective and you have to be open-minded and here, here's where we, we've used the word growth a lot. And as what you're doing in these podcasts, you focus on growth. My co-founder, Eric Becker, has a great paradigm that, that he is continually talking about uh, here at Crescent is you can either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is a mental proclivity to keep doing what you've always done the way you've always done it. And you are fixed on that process. And coming from 33 years in big banks, I'll tell you, there's more fixed thinking there than what I've experienced in the RIA Mm -hmm. industry. The other mindset is a growth mindset. And the growth mindset is exactly what that implies. It's let's experiment. Let's see what's out there. Let's see what works. If it doesn't work, we'll pivot and we'll do something different. Even if we quotes fail, we will have succeeded because we've gotten better and smarter. And if an RA has that ethos uh, embedded in it, it like, like I believe we do at Crescent, you are going to find some really interesting opportunities for people. So on the talent side, what happens is talent emerges and we bring in new partners. And what we'll find is a partner comes in who has a particular expertise figure in uh, wealth planning or in billing or in reporting where we didn't realize we needed that much help. And because we have a growth mindset and because we're open to experimentation, bringing a new person in and giving a position of leadership has proved transformational for us in, in many areas of our business. Can I also ask just around you know, development and retention of talent too? What I find very interesting is obviously the acquisition of talent is playing a bigger role for a lot of companies in the way they're thinking about M&A. But 
it's funny because you will see often if if an individual founder sells his or her firm, typically the owner will exit within a year to say three years. And that opens up in many cases, some opportunities for G2, but at the same time, maybe it's a completely different firm than the one that G2 has worked at previously, right? It's a huge change when you see that change in the the very, very top level. So how are you approaching that? And how are you also thinking about developing G2 post-close? Yeah. And this is where I'll give a tip of the cap to the firms that we've combined with. It it takes a a great deal of self-possession and confidence to uh, build up a firm, create the, the scale and the stature and the notoriety that these firms have, have achieved, and then say, I'm going to sell, combine, merge, partner with a new firm, and I'm going to create manifold opportunities for the people who worked in my firm in this new firm, number one. And number two is, I'm going to explore what I can do next in my career. So for example, Justin Berman is is here, he's productive, he's helpful, he's working with clients, he's acquiring new clients, and and he has come onto this platform now with a wider footprint. And we the same issue with David Karp, uh, with Pagnato Karp. David Mm -hmm. is an incredibly productive advisor. He's now doing the things that he loves to do, freed up from some of the things that he didn't like to do. Uh, Paul Pagnato, one of the his co-founder, is still engaged in the firm broadly, but has focused his unique energies and lots of different areas around transparency and and transforming the entire industry. So there are lots of journeys for people who are are selling into the RIA space, and and I just want to acknowledge that that there's a real growth mindset for a lot of the founders when it comes to talent acquisition. I wouldn't say we necessarily go out and try to find a person who is going to fit a particular puzzle piece. Those emerge over time and those emerge when the platform gets bigger and the needs get more acute. And you know, the old saying is people step up when they need to step up. And, and we've been really happy with what we've seen when the people have come on and, and seen the need and jumped in and, and made us better. Yeah, I appreciate you saying it. it's uh really amazing how this is a business that essentially an industry that is you know, consists of thousands of entrepreneurs who've been very, very successful. Um, so when you think about what that industry looks like as it evolves through M&A, especially at the top end, um, I think we've got a few interesting years in front of us and I'll have to have a lot of my guests back on right to do the postmortem and the recap. Um, and just shifting gears a little bit from M&A, uh, because I know you've had some really incredible growth on the organic side, um, especially through marketing. Um, would you mind just maybe giving a, a brief overview if, if you're comfortable sort of sharing some of your organic growth rates uh, and also just what's working for you? What are some of the primary contributors to your organic growth at Crescent? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, so just in broad, broad strokes, if, if we're round numbers, $23 billion in assets uh, under management, roughly or just, just under a third of those have come through combinations and acquisitions. So one third of the business is inorganic and and the rest is organic. And as I mentioned, we have great advisors who are doing differentiated work on a unique platform. So so that's a great, great opportunity. Here here, here I'll, I'll, I'll make a plug for our industry. I have found that it is increasingly important as my brothers and sisters in the RAA industry are competing in this hyper-competitive marketplace, having that unique prop selling proposition 
one that has evolved from the old days, which was saying we couldn't do great work on a big bank platform. So we wanted to get closer to our clients and start our own firm. Okay. Everybody feels that way. So I feel that that selling proposition has to evolve and an RAA to be successful now has to come up with something that is differentiated and special in the marketplace. And I don't necessarily care what it is, but it can't be anymore. We just care more about our clients and we couldn't do it on the old platform. So that, that's how I've seen that storyline progress. So great advisors doing great work on the platform. We've seen uh, organic growth there. When I mentioned earlier that every combination we've uh, stepped into, we've gotten better through that acquisition. And Pagnato Carp is a perfect example of that. So we got together with them in July of 2020, literally just as the pandemic was stepping off. And Pagnato Carp had done remarkable work in generating digital leads and using search engine optimization in a way that maximized opportunities to create conversations that generated online. And we were intrigued by that. And we got together with them. We learned from them. Jess Malkin, who is our director of marketing and, and has become a, a really a, a digital goddess when it comes to how we're approaching that marketplace. And what we've done now is we have taken what we learned from Pagnato Carp. We have gotten better and refined it. And we now, last year, so round numbers brought in $3.5 billion in new assets last year. Of those, one-third came through the digital platform. And when I talk about the digital platform, I mean, we are talking serious wealth. In some cases, we're talking centimillionaire wealth that we have never met in person. And mm. we are creating an opportunity to do business with these people that generate online. I was, I was skeptical. I thought that this was going to be a COVID phenomenon where people had the time to sit in front of their computer and play with their own finances. And it's turned out to have legs and, and legs in a material way for us. That's pretty amazing. And I think I'm glad that you shared as much in the way of detail uh, as you did around your growth and how much you know, marketing, digital marketing has contributed to it. Because you will read just about every day or every other day on our website and lots of our competitors' websites when a, a well-known firm acquires another well-known firm. It's something that's easy to see. Um, it's something that... You know, lots of people will have interest in, um, and it's something that is obviously really shaping or reshaping the RIA industry. But what you don't see is what you just described. And I don't know how many other firms in our industry can say that they've had over a billion dollars in you know, net new assets added over the last year from digital marketing. Um, I, I think if there are any that can say that, I could probably count them on both hands, right? Yeah, um, I was hoping so, you'd only count them on one hand, Mark. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm hedging, right? <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I'm trying not to be wrong, um, okay. but I, I, you're probably right. You know, it really probably does come down to just a handful, a half dozen or so. You know, and it'll be interesting to see, and I'm curious to get your take on this, but what sticks, right? As we emerge and we go from, you know, pandemic to endemic, as everybody likes to say these days, what are some of sort of the digital marketing tactics that you take with you, you know, throughout 2022 and beyond? Well, I, we, we are going to get better as an industry in this area uh, because uh, as an industry, we are innovative. Our RAAs have come to market because they are solving for issues and they are creating new opportunities for clients. So I'm confident that we are going to get, all of us will get better. And here's where I do think that RAAs 
have a significant and differentiated advantage over big banks because we can be more nimble, we can be more creative, and, and we can present ourselves through the digital channels in ways that I don't think big banks will be comfortable with from a regulatory perspective. So I think we have a decided advantage as an industry on digital marketing. When it comes to what Crescent has done and what's uh, particularly resonated for our, our new clients is we are particularly resonant with people who have a, are well acquainted with risk, risk takers, entrepreneurs, people who have created businesses, people who have come up with unique ideas and, and have put um, their, their money and their time and their talents to work into creating some something new and by definition then creating some real wealth. So so entrepreneurs like this platform. We are an entrepreneur-led firm. Abby Stein and Eric Becker, my my co-founders, have started, nurtured, or sold over 150 different companies. So we are founder-led, talking to founders. And what we do is when uh, we invite somebody uh, to have a conversation with us, or they ask, frankly, to initiate a conversation with them. We have a founders a founders call. That's Abby. That's Eric. That's me. That's David Carp. That's Justin Berman. People who have worked to create a firm talk. The first conversation is founder to founder, and what we found is that resonates particularly well with founders and entrepreneurs. Then. We follow that up with the traditional RAA presentation of here's our capabilities, here's the team. There's one, three, five, six people that you'll be dealing with depending on the complexity of the client. That works really well for us because we, we're able to have a peer-to-peer -peer conversation uh, with our prospects and ultimately the, those who become our clients. Yeah, It's amazing because that just shortens the whole getting to know you stage, right? You, totally. You're one of them, right? They're one of you. Um, and I think... We've always seen firms that have a clear focus, not that founders or entrepreneurs are a niche, right? But you have a well-defined client. Um, and it just makes it easier for them to understand who you are, who you work with, and what problems you can solve for them. So congratulations on taking something that is as broad as you know, a digital platform and figuring out how to continue to use it to personalize you know, the delivery and the messaging behind what it is. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. You know, I think about how I grew up in this industry and, and maybe my peer group who grew up in the industry, and that was, you'd get a referral from uh, a center of influence. You'd go to lunch with that person. If you like that person enough, you'd go to a baseball game or you'd go to a dinner and there would be this courtship. And that courtship would ultimately, hopefully turn into a new client, but it was a protract, typically a protracted, multi-pronged introduction to a new client. Here, what we've learned with the digital channel is they're fishing. They are specifically looking for something we do. So if, if mm. they type in uh, best founder-led firm, or if they type in top wealth management, they type in top family office, Crescent will be at or near the top of that. They are specifically looking for a specific conversation. Then it's our job to make sure that we are resonating with that prospect when we have the conversation. So you're absolutely right, Mark. I mean, you, you, you can cut down a lot of innings of play by working through the digital channel and letting the prospect tell us what they want to talk about early days. Yeah. It's, you're starting to give away the secret sauce there. I know. Like, I, I got to be your, careful. Uh, search terms are, but uh, no, I appreciate that. It really 
goes to show not only how you're thinking about it, but how you know closely involved and connected you are to it. So, Doug, thank you for getting very specific with us, and thank you for taking some time out just to walk through some of the not just the impressive growth that you've had, but really the thought and consideration that goes into driving all of it. We're definitely looking forward to seeing what the remainder of 2022 has in store for Crescent. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it being with you. And I appreciate all you do for the industry. We as an industry, the RIA industry is doing a lot of great work for clients and, and you help us all get better. And I sure appreciate the opportunity to talk about something I love, Crescent. And what you just said is sort of sums up the RA Edge podcast in a nutshell, right? As competitive as people in the industry can be, it's ultimately not all that competitive, right? There are a lot of people who are very altruistic and want to share ideas, right? To help make each other better at what you do. Um, So, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by the RA Edge podcast here today. And thank you to our audience for tuning in for another episode of the RA Edge podcast. You can tune in for a new episode every other Tuesday, launching on wealthmanagement.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you like to get your favorite podcast. So again, on behalf of the RA Edge podcast, Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group and Informa, thank you very much for joining us. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RAA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RAA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.